Hello, everyone, and welcome to another spooky episode of the best. <laughs> it's going to take me seven takes now. <laughs> so exuberant, though. I was in it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second spooky episode of 2021 of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this episode, we are joined by another one of our wonderful guests, Emma. Hello. You might remember Emma from our Labyrinth episode, as well as our A Christmas Story episode. Um, if you've not listened to those, you should definitely go check those out like right now or well, after you've listened to this one. Well, yeah, just, you know, wait like two weeks and then it'll be Christmas time because fuck Thanksgiving, right? I mean, OK, I went into a store the other day. They already had Christmas decorations. Yeah, up. I'm just it's Halloween. Throwing that out. Stop there. it. <laughs> um, anyway, we are so excited to have Emma back to talk about one of the great Halloween season movies and keeping in theme with our Halloween comedies, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm so excited. Let me count the ways I love this movie. I was not aware this was a Halloween specific movie, but once <laughs> Ian and Maggie told me, it made a lot of sense. I just love this movie in all seasons. Okay, I was going to say, let's be real here. It is appropriate to watch this movie on Christmas. You can watch this movie whenever you want. I just yeah. personally love to watch it during the Halloween season. Um, also, we've been talking about doing this movie for years, but due to scheduling conflicts, we've not done it because we were so adamant that Emma had to be the guest for this one. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I may not be the most knowledgeable about this film, but I love every second of it. Well, you know what? That's fine because I got you on background. I will speed through some of this and then I will sprinkle other little nuggets throughout our conversation. But to begin with, Rocky Horror Picture Show is a 1975 musical comedy horror film. A lot of genres mixed up in there. Um, it is directed by Jim Sharman and it stars Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick. It was written by Jim Sharman and Richard O'Brien, who actually plays Riff Raff. And O'Brien actually wrote the 1973 stage production that the film is based on as well. Oh, neat. Yeah. I didn't so, realize that Mr. Stonyface with the creepy grin. But one great. of the greatest voices in the oh, yeah. production. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like very clearly a musician. Mm hmm. Um, it is, of course, a tribute and a parody to the sci-fi and horror B-films of the 1930s up through the 1960s. I love films that really like they don't you don't necessarily have to have knowledge of like old Hollywood to understand them and love them. But where like if you do have like that knowledge and love, they kind of like throw you a lot of wonderful illusions and stuff in this film. Absolutely 100% does. When we get to the opening number, it's basically just one massive illusion. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the cast was actually original cast members from the stage production, including Patricia Quinn, who plays Magenta, and Little Nell, who plays Columbia, um, as well as Curry, I believe, was also in the original stage production. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of the props and set pieces were actually used from the horror, the Hammer horror movies, which were like a popular um, British horror production company from, I want to say, the 50s and 60s. Um, but a lot of those set pieces were reused from that, which like, I think it's, that's the oh, perfect ambiance. Yes. And I mean, we, you commented on it and I agreed where it, this must've been the most fun to design, especially the creepy mansion part. Yeah. Or well, castle. speaking of the mansion, that mansion was actually 
had been used as a location for multiple Hammer horror movies. Uh, and then they went and filmed in there. Apparently it was not in the best condition, but you know what? That's kind of what they needed for this. Well, didn't uh, Susan get pneumonia during filming because the conditions were so bad? Yeah, Susan Sarandon <laughs> got pneumonia. So, I mean, even more props to her for her performance, um, considering that she was sick during the time. But yeah, so production designer was Brian Thompson. And uh, we'll also talk about costumes, I think, here and there. So I just want to call out Susan Blaine, who was the costume designer. And she actually said that she did not do any additional research for her stuff. And particularly with Brad and Janet, um, when they did the film, they wanted to make sure that like Brad and Janet were played by American actors. And so she kind of worked off a lot of like just assumptions about like Americans. And so she was like, they're probably pretty generalized, but I think that really works that you're like, these are the stereotypes. Well, yeah. And they're supposed to be that general, every person that you can see yourself in sort of, but it's, not really. They're supposed but to be like, like the all American yeah. guy and the all American girl, you know, as defined by like 1950s and sixties America. Uh, it fits. I know. And it it's great to so see. Well. It's great to see those uh, stereotypes get uh, thrown around a little bit, overturned, questioned. Um, and then the last little bit of background that I will go into until we start going through kind of like our watch notes and everything is that, um, of course, Rocky Horror very famously was a midnight film, like a midnight movie, which were usually movies that had not done super well commercial commercially but would be played at midnight and audiences would be like encouraged to interact. Rocky Horror, I feel like has probably become the most famous of those, um, but it set the stage for others as well. Definitely the most mainstream, which is slightly ironic, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so shall we get into what is one of the most iconic opening sequences of any film? Absolutely. With the lips. Apparently, this was Patricia Quinn's lips who mm -hmm. were singing. But it's uh, Richard O'Brien's voice. Oh, that's so it already kind of is setting those themes of like androgyny mm -hmm. that are really explored throughout the film. Um, also, this might be my favorite song, which this, is saying a lot because a lot of them are really good songs. The science fiction double feature yeah. song. It's good. I don't I, I think it sets the stage well. It's not my favorite. I mean, it's a hard, like, if you, I, by the end of this, we'll all have to say what our favorite is. Mine may change, but as of the beginning, it's going to be this one. It's like picking your favorite child. I get it. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> They're all But you do so it anyway. <laughs> Everyone has one. Don't lie to us. <laughs> but like, I mean, they're all such bangers, but, um... I this one in particular, I want to call out the uh, we get our first allusion to Fay Ray and King Kong, which comes back multiple times mm -hmm. during the film. Um, Fay Ray, of course, being kind of one of the first of the quote unquote scream queens and known for like being an actress of horror movies at like RKO. What was the reference, though? Because I totally missed it. <laughs> and then something went wrong with Fay Ray and King Kong. Oh, this is my I sorry. There were a lot of lyrics I listened to just now, and I missed that one. <laughs> I, that was like one of the few that I was like, oh, Ian will recognize the movie they're talking about. <laughs> Ian Ian's just looking sheepish. Yep. Yeah, well, anyway, that was I just wanted to call out that particular. They reference like several films in that, but I just wanted to call out that one in particular because it comes back multiple times. Oh, oh yeah. And I love when it comes back at the very end. But with that sequence, too, 
I love how they're setting it up as supposedly creepy with that particular typeface with the like drooping blood. But then. But it's a cartoonish creepy. It is. And they also are giving all of our characters these absurd like subtitled names like Brad, a hero, Janet, a heroine. A domestic. Riff a handyman. <laughs> exactly. So, like, you're already kind of getting a sense of uh, what type of movie this is going to be. I would say the only other thing that always stands out to me about those lips is you think of lips as very, like, being portrayed in as attractive things as they are thought of. And these lips, while not unattractive, it's, it's almost too much too close. It's a little grotesque. And there's that point where it freezes it and you just get, like, the x-ray teeth showing up in the background. So it's meant to be... Again, starting to reshape your classical thoughts on these standard, the beauty standards, for lack of a better word. Well, and like so much of the movie, it's like everything, especially early on, it's like just a little off because we go from that title sequence into the wedding and the damn it janet song and even that church is like it's cr- a creepy church like they're getting married <laughs> Part of the Damn It Janet song is happening with Brad and Janet like dancing through a graveyard. Okay, with the billboard in the back about how Denton is that place of happiness. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. And they're like clearly transitioning the chapel from a wedding to a funeral yes. very mm-hmm. rapid. I think the, the best part was Maggie's like, this is just a little offening. And I will pause more like, no, this is a lot off. <laughs> <laughs> and you get, and this, it took me until we watched it this time. And this is probably the fifth or sixth time I've seen it. The actual Transylvanians are in these wedding photos. Yeah. You have like Tim, Tim Curry's Curry. the priest. And then Patricia Quinn and Richard O'Brien are also there and they're dressed like the American Gothic. Oh, it's so good. Which that painting is later in Mm -hmm. Frankenfurter's castle. Mm -hmm. And it it cracks me up because knowing at the end that they're aliens, of course, they would look at that that particular painting and be like, this is a standard, normal American man and wife. Yes. Oh, my God. I love the Damn It, Janet song. That's also really good. A lot of great comedy from Boswick and Sarandon in that one. Like, I I think the choreography in this movie is also just like so smart and funny Mm. where you have like after each one of their verses, like they'll lean in to kiss the other one. And they'll and like they pull away, turn away. And yeah. And I love there's especially the bit of choreography where it's them walking down the aisle together, which I think is really cute. Well, my favorite is how they choose to break up two lyrics. So they start walking down the aisle and Brad goes, oh, damn it. And then Janet intersperses her lyric. And then they take another step. He goes, oh, Janet, which <laughs> which previously put together had a very different meaning when sung. And yeah. such good songwriting like the, the book in this is amazing. Yes. And the actors really do like perform the song, too, which I like they're so in it and they are going for like big moves. They're going for the camp because I don't mm-hmm. think this I mean, you know, we'll talk about the amazing Tim Curry. and I. I think he really is like the number one performance in this inarguably, but this movie doesn't work if not every single actor isn't just going for it. And they are committed. Yeah. Now to, to switch gears a little bit to the set design here, they do this a couple times where they really mess with the scale of a space. And the church was the first real scene inside the church where I noticed it, where you have this absurdly large set of doors and an absurd rose window and teeny 
tiny, tiny little chandeliers. <laughs> and it's just serving to like, again, give you that weird uncanniness. Like this cannot be real. This cool. is just an imitation of what is is it's supposed to be. And that combined with the cinematography, which mm-hmm. they start to do a little bit in the church. I'll call it out much later in the lab scene. Mm. But when they choose like their angles, if they're using like the fishbowl lens, like how close or far they are from people. Like it really does mess with your sense of scale. I love it so much. So we roll pretty quickly into the car scene, which (laughs) can we talk about how we also have the narrator who has been popping in. I forgot about the narrator and he is so instrumental. Well, one of the things that I didn't miss is where they were. I had always missed is where they were going in the car. So Brad and Janet get engaged in this weird graveyard church scene. And their first instinct is let us go tell our high school science teacher. <laughs> Do- last we met in Dr. Everett Scott. He'll love to know. He'll care so much. So that's why they're driving to this weird place in the middle of the night. And I just like somehow always miss why they took off in the middle of the night. And, and it is not a great explanation <laughs> now that I know. Also in the middle of the night, like what do you, what do you think is going to happen? I I kind of love that though, right? Because it's this it's the movie being like, yeah, plot not that important. Don't worry about it. And it kind of mirrors like I don't know how much like B sci-fi and horror movies you guys have watched from like kind of that era. The plots are all real thin. Oh yeah, you like, have the thinner thinnest. than Susan Sarandon in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's so thin. Yeah, no, the the thinnest pretext to do anything like. Yeah. It's pretty great. But though. like if, you know, if all the movies trying to do is be like a B movie to a certain extent, I'm like, OK, yeah, no, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You've told me this is why you're doing it. Doesn't matter if I think it's stupid or not. Let's go. It's entertaining regardless. But yes, the narrator who comes in and out like has this such official like case document that he's going through when we we get that piece of information. And it's this movie does that kind of juxtaposition of a very straight man irony intended like with the absurdity that is actually frankenfurter's like situation yeah yeah no and and there's never any explanation given for the narrator we call it the narrator because that's literally the best description for him he's just this guy in a study with like a victorian style cravat no neck (laughs) a lot of chin and marital law like all of it behind him on the shelf. Yeah. I think he is. And at the very end, they introduce him as the criminologist and the end credits. Uh, so like, I think he's reviewing the case and that was another thing. It, it's really not important to the storyline, but like I paid, I try and pay more attention when I'm doing it for the <laughs> podcast. So like I, I read things. <laughs> so, and that was, I'm like, okay, so that, that actually, that actually makes sense. He's, he's kind of reviewing the the police report. Yeah. So I he's guess. the host of unsolved mysteries. Basically. Rocky horror edition. <laughs> but like, yeah, but like it, it works. And I feel like they, you know, just even speak to the editing, they cut him in at all the right moments. Mm-hmm. So getting to actually Frankenfurter's castle, they break down, they have to go walking. They took a wrong turn. It's don't worry about the setup. It's not important. They, they passed that castle back there. Maybe yeah. they have a phone. <laughs> but if we were song, in theaters, we'd all be holding newspapers over our head and shooting our, our squirt guns into the air. <laughs> have to bring the theater element. But the song here, there's a light on at the Frankenstein place. I or burning at the Frankenstein place. I, I should be able to quote this Over at the Frankenstein over. place. There's there's no light. It's just what I call the song, which is wrong. <laughs> 
but like, God, the way that that song is shot again, Susan Sarandon and Barry Boswick, just like, like, I, I love when they're just like turning, looking at each other and singing and they both look just so serious about Such it. Such ceremony to the whole thing. Um, you, we get kind of our, I'm going to call it like our micro introduction to Riff Raff. With him in the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Singing, um, clearly, clearly showing us who top voices. <laughs> in this film but very creepily in the window i love that shot i'm like this is setting perfect tone you have the cartoonish lightning um hitting everything and lighting stuff up and and to talk about tone there for a minute when you say perfect tone the perfect like mix of tone because this song is such an upbeat like not like it's too upbeat to be like a full-on ballad but it has that like characteristic of emotion to it where it's like so much hope and we're gonna go and get ourselves out of the situation like i i don't know and like i love that it's the brad and janet lyric is there's a light and then you have the chorus of voices saying over at the frankenstein place (laughs) like it's just like it is the most frankenstein castle you could possibly imagine and you're like yeah no that's where i want to go in the middle of a storm um to ask if i can borrow their phone in the middle of the night like this will go well so well for us and at this time too there's also hordes of motorcycles <laughs> pouring in through the front gate of which brad and janet passed them earlier and said oh they're taken they're just taking their lives into their own hands and like perfectly mimed my parents when I started riding a motorcycle <laughs> so well. Your mom's name is Janet. My mom's name is also Janet. But yeah, you know, they reinforce the very basic role that Brad and Janet fill and then also reinforce their gender stereotypes yes. in this as Janet's all scared and Brad is. He's the protector. He's reassuring her. We'll all be fine. With, with like a blind optimism of just being like. No matter what is happening, Brad's going to pretend it's all okay. And Janet's like, we should leave. (laughs) Absolutely should leave. Uh, To walk through life with the blind (laughs) optimism of a straight white man. (laughs) Really, But no, to go back to your point of like, you know, reinforcing the gender stereotypes. I mean, talk about their costuming too. Brad's in blue, I believe, a lot of the time. Janet's dress is kind of like a pinky purple. Until... After the not wedding night. Right. But like up until that point, they're kind of reinforced that way. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's also I love the kind of like straight laceness, too, because there is the line later where Frank and Furter ask them if they have tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) And of course not. Like, no. Yeah. yeah, Brad Brad was, of course not. (laughs) (laughs) So that we get the introduction to uh, Magenta and Riff Raff, like more closely if you will when Riff Raff opens the door and lets them in and Magenta slides down the stairs and is like oh we're all what oh, what was her line I should have written this down it's like we're all so lucky because apparently it's uh one of Tim Curry's party nights one of the master's parties <laughs> um I also god I love those two characters if you if you could be in a production of Rocky Horror and play any character who would you want to play I would want to play Magenta I was about to say I always aimed for magenta when I when I would dress up. I love magenta. Honestly, I want to play Janet. I like that for you. I, I do like that for you. I'll get into it more, but the number of services that she manages to faint against and on <laughs> is impressive. God, oh my God. Susan Sarandon has the like back of palm to forehead. The swoon. Down. It's so good. And every time she does it is so exaggerated and so funny. The high pitched like sigh too. <laughs> 
so so spot on. So I hope good. I got far enough away from the mic for that. <laughs> no, I think you needed to lean in. <laughs> Remember, commit. You have to commit. commit. <laughs> so this is, and I know this is a, a pedestrian choice, but probably my favorite song in the entire film is Time, Time Warp. Warp. I mean, it's the most iconic. It, for sure. Because so, there is a dance associated with it. Just to jump to the left. And then a step to the right. And that is where they cut in the narrator beautifully with the like step <laughs> diagrams in his little pull down chart. Oh, the pull down chart <laughs> is the one that always gets me. But he also gets more into it as it goes on. And next thing you know, they cut to him and he's on his desk doing the dance, which... <laughs> Pull your knees in tight, pelvic thrust. Yep. And they, they just cut him in here and there. And he's matching their energy beat for beat. Yeah. No, all of the choreography in the time warp scene, I think, is great. From the entrance, um, you get like a great like musical sting even before the song starts. Because mm-hmm. I do I do think, you know, as good as all the songs are, the score between them is also fantastic. Um, but you have like the actual time warp dance having, you have little Nell gets to do her tap number, you have Riff Raff and Magenta being batshit crazy. And I, this was the first time, and I've seen this movie so many times that I noticed there is like clearly blood stains on Riff Raff's <laughs> waistcoat. <laughs> um, but then you also have Brad and Janet, like I love the bit of them like leaving and stepping up backwards up the stairs and sink to like try and get out of there. It is chaos. And the cinematography and especially the editing here. And the costuming, the like sort of Greek chorus costuming. It's like very punky or like, I guess, like pre-punk almost punk glam. I don't know. We're 75. What well, is it, that? the yeah. glam rock thing was like a massive influence here. So it, it mm-hmm. makes sense that that would have come through in those costumes. But I just love the Technicolor array against the, the penguin suits. And they're all wearing sunglasses inside. Mm-hmm. Which you gotta love. I so love cool. how serious every single one of them is. Well, they are there for a serious scientist to see a serious presentation. Maggie. So serious. Genius. So sorry. I'm so sorry. I will give time warp the respect it is due. <laughs> yes, but basically Brad and Janet witnessed time warp is how I got. And they were like, Janet was like, no, Brad. She finally puts down her foot. Oh, oh no, what was it? She goes, say, say something. something, Brad. <laughs> Do you guys know the Madison? It was such a dad joke. <laughs> but I love that. Even- and, and, and then you hear Janet sigh so loudly. <laughs> I love even then, like, as they go out the doors and they kind of back up to the elevator, which we're starting to get the sting from the next song. What is it? Sweet, Sweet transvestite. Mm. Um, and then you have, like, Janet and Brad talking. I love how Janet's like, we gotta go. And Brad's like you know, maybe these people are just from a different custom and all of this. And we're like, you're still rationalizing like this. This isn't normal, bro. Okay. But also how accurate is that? It's so true though, too. They are foreigners with a completely different set of customs. I guess Brad was not a hundred percent wrong then. I don't think Brad's right, but he's not wrong. (laughs) There's a difference. Yeah. So, so they're doing their back out. You've got they're in front of the elevator. It's coming down. You have that back shot of just Tim Curry's like silver and black glitter platform heels doing the like one heels, like Mm. tapping in time Mm. to the music. (gasps) Love that shot. This is all about anticipation as Tim Curry will later say. Oh yes. 
Oh yes. But but yeah, they they build it with the very slow elevator down and the cape and then you just see the back and the hair. What an entrance. But then to quote Emma Bones, everyone in this movie has an entrance. Everyone. <laughs> Except Brad and Janet, really, which is so appropriate. Cuz they're boring. Exactly. <laughs> Like even like 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 Riff Raff's little window entry and even Magenta, like you don't notice well, her in the back. Raff opens the door, yes. but like yeah, you know when Magenta's on, you know when like Columbia is on, Rocky gets a great entrance. Mm-hmm. For sure. So we get that wonderful iconic song and introduction to Dr. Frankenfurter. I just always wait for that turn though. Like he comes down, it mm-hmm. stops, and that's the moment you wait for. It's just uh, the costuming. Tim Curry is immediately just a presence. Um, it's so good. It's a great song, though. I love when because it, it's what um, transsexual from Transylvania, which we later find out is like the name of the planet and the system that it's mm-hmm. in. So they're like dropping all of the breadcrumbs that they're aliens very early on, actually. Mm hmm. I just remember when he does his strut out and his cape them from the elevator. Yes. And then when he turns around and throws the and cape throw, off. And I remember watching this. I was Maggie and I discussed like when we got to when our parents were first like, fine, you can let's see this. It's yeah. a part. And I just remember watching that as like a teenager and being like, oh, oh, I think I, <laughs> I think I watched this earlier than you did. But I also remember being like. This is an entrance. But but like it's like it's it's like so dramatic with the hair and all that. Like I wish I had Tim Curry's legs. I mean, yeah, and those his ability and heels, like, like it's just such an entrance. Just like automatically, like you have this. Also, just can we talk about the how his name is Dr. Frankenfurter? And obviously an homage to Dr. Frankenstein, but just ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> and also 100 percent what an alien would choose. <laughs> But he does have a creation, and that's where we wait with anticipation. With blonde hair and a tan. Patient. <laughs> to see it. <laughs> um, which I... Maybe that's my favorite song. I don't know anymore. It's it's fine. You can have many favorites, that's but you know in one. your heart there's one. And you'll know it when you hear it. Yeah. But the laboratory, we go from this very, mm. like... I don't know, slightly or actually very ornate hall, dance I, hall. God, to I love this bubblegum pink. I love just, this just set. The, and they take them up in the elevator. And as they rise, you oh, see again from Frankenfurter's feet. How they've oh. been stripped down to their like oh. under things. And Brad is still acting like it's normal. Oh, yeah. And let's just say this might be a metaphor for stripping down their stereotypes. Yes. Because what was what was um, so they're wet and cold and they want to use a phone. And Dr. Frankenfurter says, no, I will show you my laboratory, <laughs> which is exactly what you want to hear. when you just <laughs> want to use and, the phone. And, and what was he? And he's like, you know, we'll take away the cause, but not the symptoms, symptoms. which yeah. is always my my favorite little nugget to think about. So, yeah, they, they strip them down. Then Janet's obviously covering herself. Brad is in the ugliest pair of tidy whities <laughs> Just acting I, like everything is so normal. The stereotypes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then I had to explain bras to Ian at that Well, moment. I asked because I'm going to just say it. Janet looks amazing without her clothes on. We just Ian had to says explain her, how push-up bras her t- Specifically, her, her tits looked amazing. 
and, but and, anyway, the more you know. And we had to explain how push-up bras worked. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's I'm, you know, very experienced with the breasts. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I don't know why you are laughing so much. <laughs> Let that quote live on, Ian Bailey. I am very experienced with the breasts. I am. (laughs) Shoot, I was hoping that you were going to look at me, but you didn't. (laughs) You should look at you right now. (laughs) Um, Okay. (laughs) And then I both like cry right now. (laughs) Okay. They go to the lab. Which is, I think, my favorite set, especially because there's like the weird Greco-Roman columns and statues around just this otherwise very stark, mm-hmm. like light pink lab. Kind of the color of the room we're recording in, actually. Actually, not dissimilar. But I do love how they enter because they get onto the elevator. I think also at that point in time, Brad tries to introduce Janet to um, Dr. Frankenfurter as my fiance, Janet Weiss. I mean Weiss, <laughs> which is a great little slip. But as they enter up into it, you you again see the room from the bottom up and Frankenfurter's right in front of you. So you, you again see him from the feet up, just creating this illusion that he is so grand. Mm-hmm. Because and we also looked up how tall Tim Curry was, because I feel like I always have the impression that he's like over six feet. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's five, five, nine. <laughs> And in his like presence five inch heels. So much more than that. Yeah. So when well, you also have him, the way they frame that shot too, with mm-hmm. you coming up into the lab, you have like the columns and like the color of that pink. And then you have him in the like mint green, like hospital gown with the bubblegum pink um cleaning gloves. Cleaning gloves. <laughs> They're not even hospital gloves. <laughs> and he with his pearls too. He's got those gigantic mm. pearls. They make his outfit every time. I and I love how cartoonish they are. They're perfect. And he is just waiting now like so almost professional. Like he he's about to make a major he's about to dump a major scientific advancement on these people. Yes. And he knows it. Now, before I, I do want to mention with that costume, too, that is somewhat of an homage to uh, the concentration camp outfits that they put, mm. you know, gay and lesbian folks in, especially really? with that triangle on the um, one side. It's not the exact same, but it was is kind of like this image of, OK, marked. So they're playing with some of those uh, symbols because I looked at it and I thought silhouette classic frankenstein movie mm, which I'm, I'm sure it's both yeah, yeah. no I, I feel like every so much like everything in this movie was so well thought out well and then also so we we've got this visual imagery which they let you soak in and then as janet and brad exit i always get the sense this is filmed from janet's perspective um i don't know if you guys sense that too but she leaves and they actually do an unsteady filming here where you kind of it's like she's looking up and she's looking around and there's all these transylvanians all around up on the upper deck for viewing and it just gives you such a great sense of dis it makes you feel disoriented like i do and i actually do feel like a lot of the film is kind of from janet's point of view which is interesting that we both get that sense yeah I think, Ian, do you get the same read or is that just because like Emma and I are like identifying with the female main character or something? I think part of it, too, is she just wised up to it a lot faster than Brad did. Yeah. yeah. I can understand why you see it that way, but I definitely see it as just an anonymous third mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. view. I do but- feel like very specifically in this instance, 
I was looking through Janet. I feel like other instances, maybe not so much, but this one definitely, I think part of it is like you kind of see, like you feel the camera movement and then part of it is you see the back of Janet's head and her head's making a similar movement. True. And when I guess like it's filmed in a way to kind of disorient you and make you feel a little like something's off. And like you said, she is the one who at this point has kind of like picked up on like, this is actually a dangerous situation because I think Brad's in a space of like, this is a weird situation, but it's not dangerous. We'll be fine. It'll we'll be, be okay. Fine. It'll be okay. Well, and they will, but <laughs> maybe changed. 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 <laughs> yes. Now, what you mentioned with the camera, though, when Frankenfurter goes to make his announcement, I love how the visual style completely changes. And the score here, too, mm-hmm. is we're like introducing the lab. But like the the camera on him as he's at the microphone with Columbia and Magenta masked up in those, again, like Pepto-Bismol pink mask situations. Um, Just super steady right on his face as he's making this serious thing about how he's figured out how to give life to things. I really was having flashbacks to the original Frankenstein at that moment because I, I think like in that movie, and it's it's been a little while since I've seen it, probably since we did our episode on it, but there, there is, I feel like a tendency to like transfer like the crazy from the doctor to the monster. And I feel like with Rocky Horror Picture Show, we're keeping the crazy, like it's very clear to us who the crazy one is Mm. like, and it's not Rocky, but it is everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Rocky's maybe the sanest, Um, but like, it's very clear that like Frankenfurter is like, if not insane, like it's still very dangerous. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. But the announcement is just so dramatic. And the point at which he like pulls those latex pink gloves and snaps them back and makes his point. Oh, I live for it. And as <laughs> I told Maggie monologue. and the next, the next scientist, the next time I go to a conference presenting anything semi-scientific, I'm going to try and do it like this. I always wear pearls. So I just everything, everything he does is so dramatic and i love it (laughs) and the way they contrast the seriousness there with the uh, rest of the transylvanians and their noisemakers and uh, buzzers and all of that where they're like so excited about the whole thing it just heightens the absurdity for me where it's like okay i am serious science man but cheer me with a noisemaker. <laughs> I love the moment, though, where Frankenfurter says something about Brad being like a specimen and you have the one lady remove her sunglasses only to put up um, opera glasses. glasses. <laughs> look. Got to get a better look. I must admit, though, the one thing, though, that I did think while kind of like watching him do this presentation is for so long, people that were eccentric gay women could not be serious scientists. And I, I like that had never really sunk into me watching this previously is there is no reason why he could not dress like that and present yeah, serious scientific findings. It in no way invalidates the work he has done. And it's just yeah. like you just don't see that in the science world. It's not accepting of that even now. And, no, and that kind of sunk into me. Well, and there's absolutely no question that he did find the secret to life. Like yeah. he made Rocky. This is such an amazing documentary, y'all. I just, <laughs> I, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, there was like a little bit of me that still kind of felt a tinge of sadness. Cause you're like, I could be flamboyant and find out the secret to life. I mean, I consider myself like, uh, like a rebel when I wear pink pants to a conference. Emma. Like, I know. How dare how I? daring. <laughs> but no, I do think that speaks to 
how this movie is trying trying and succeeding to be subversive in the themes that it's dealing with mm-hmm. around gender and sexuality. Like you can be what you want and you can still be successful. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a reason that the movie is so iconic among like the LGBTQ community. Um and like yeah. I I love that that reading of it. Yeah. He's also he's also a insane, little, a little but insane, but so a lot of, a lot of brilliant a lot of brilliant people are. <laughs> So mm-hmm. the entrance of or reveal of Rocky in the tank, this entire scene where Frankenfurter starts to reanimate Rocky is it's a little bit downplayed compared to the original Frankenstein's monster scene. It's still the same but it vibe is, though. Oh, absolutely. With the sound effects and all of the doodads and the throw, <laughs> the, the, the dick lever. <laughs> Sorry. Like they, dick. They, exactly. Um, I also do want to throw out um, that the tank and the dummy that they have like suspended in it was actually the same tank and dummy that appeared in 1958's The Revenge of Frankenstein. So again, like reusing those props. So perfect. But doing them in rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> It is. And glitter. And glitter. <laughs> because again, the the like we that sound effect when he opens the valve for the colored liquid to go in. It just <laughs> I love how manic Curry is as he's doing it too. And it's just pouring and manic dies. turning it off. Like <laughs> and he's it's just like he, you know he can't he there I'm like there is no precision to this and I love it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the unwrapping of Rocky. Mm, mm. What a gift. It's like unwrapping a present. <laughs> that Frankenfurter made for himself. <laughs> but which it's, I can make you a man. Um, yeah. I also love kind of this subversion of Frankenstein's monster, right? Because like traditionally you're like, oh, Frankenstein's monster. You think of the, even if it's not accurate to the book, you think of the Karloff makeup, right? Yes. Rocky's not that. <laughs> Rocky's a pretty boy. Rocky's very pretty. Blonde with a tan. <laughs> and lots of muscles, which apparently Janet's not into as far as she thinks right now. <laughs> moment where i love where you know rocky or not rocky uh frankenfurter has very thirstily like chased rocky around the room and then he's okay it's really fast thirstily is like a very mild word for it he is crawling on the floor licking rocky's shoes at one point like gold lame shoes i mean my favorite part of that whole thing is where like he gets all worked up and lifts up his lab coat and (laughs) shrieks high-pitched and then flails his hands like there was something about that moment that is one of the most memorable like like the oh he's just overcome <laughs> but um then he's like kind of seeking approval for everyone too because i think mm-hmm. like, there is a very like it kind of goes with the theatricality of the character right but he also like wants that approval and that applause and um like magenta and riff raff are like yes amazing absolutely columbia's like he's pretty good he's okay he's okay um, which Frankenfurter is not happy about. So he marches Rocky over to Janet and Brad, and then you get the Janet going, I don't like men with quite so many muscles. And I love the like first Brad's like the, yeah, she likes me. And then she's like, wait, but she doesn't like men with muscles. Do I not have a lot of muscles? Like you just kind of see that like quick. You you can actually see see the cogs turning. Yeah. It's really, really funny. Again, do not discount the performances of anybody in this no. film. Like it's like an arsenic and old lace thing where you like see Carrie yes. Grant's like thought process. Yeah. You get to see Brad's thought process. It was a pretty simplistic one. Well, too. Yeah. <laughs> but it fits for the character. Yes. A very funny moment. 
Also, confession, it took me a half second to make sure in my head that it was Cary Grant in Mars Nick. And Old oh my God, Ian, what will we do with you? <laughs> but I got it right. I just had you to did, think about did. it for a minute. You know what? That's right. You're, yeah. <laughs> Says the guy who didn't know how to say Susan Brandon's name was like, but I know who she is. And I've seen I were her like, in so many things. Like, I know it's Susan S. last name, but I cannot Emma say and I were her like, last name. If you name. can't say her name, you don't know who she is. <laughs> and I am the queen of not knowing how to pronounce people's names, but I know Susan Sarandon. <laughs> Anyway, let's we'll continue. I was about to say, are we about to have one of my favorite entrances? Oh, oh most God. likely. Eddie. Eddie. Meatloaf. The delivery boy. <laughs> X, 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 X delivery, delivery boy. boy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Who, for some reason, always has a saxophone on him. Again, yeah. he's delivering fat sax lines to everybody who he encounters. And but, Columbia really loves it. Yeah. <laughs> but I love this one because I, I have loved Meatloaf from a young age, the musician and the dish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, he's just got a phenomenal vocal range and he's known for these wild theatrical performances. And, and he was never as big in the U.S. as he was in the U.K., which makes so much sense why, why he made an appearance in this. And he just comes roaring in on a motorcycle. But out of his a freezer. <laughs> out of a freezer, which um, he also has this like large gash on his forehead, which, which it, gets explained in one line later. And I have always missed it. So I'm really glad I heard that. So we'll, <laughs> we'll come back to that. But the most his greatest sin was he interrupted the um, Dr. Frankenfurter and his song. I'll make him. Nope, it's not I'll make a man. That's Mulan. <laughs> is it? No, I'm pretty sure that's the. Is it I'll make you a I man? Can make I, you I can make you a man. I was like, I was like, it's I slightly different. It's also you. a very different message in that song. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, one is like, lift some weights so you're pretty. Yes. <laughs> the other's like, lift some weights so you can defeat the hunt. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he interrupts and then he has his whole. I, I love that that is the biggest sin to Frankenfurter is that you could out diva him, which actually brings up something that Ian mentioned is in part of that song. There's a bit where Janet cuts in, mm -hmm. but she doesn't do it in a super theatrical way. So it's fine. Yeah. She is not fabulous enough or strong enough to like actually be a threat to Dr. Frankenfurter yet. Yet. Yeah. So what, what is the meatloaf song? It's, 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 it's such a classic so it's called Hot Patootie, Bless My Soul. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if there's anything else that needs to be. He roars no. around a motorcycle, him and Columbia, like jump on top of each other yeah. and make out. Everyone's super into it, except for Frankenfurter. Even even Rocky. Oh, and that is was like the, snapping along. And that's the trigger. Exactly. Being upstaged and the punishment is death. We take a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Ice wow. pick? I don't know. Said, so nonchalantly um we take a turn in tone really fast and i think the score does a really great job with this i think the cinematography does a really great job with this too how you kind of get those like up close almost like a little bit of like a fish fish eye lens or fishbowl lens i forget what it's called fish eye, fish you got eye. It. You, fish eye. you're good okay. believe in yourself remember it's carrie grant i'm currently a janet i'm not yet a frankenfurter um <laughs> Anyway, so uh, you have like that between like Frankenfurter and Meatloaf. They're both like giving it all on like their best menacing and afraid performances. And yeah, he uh, kills Eddie with a pickaxe or ice pick uh, in the freezer. It's a pickaxe pick and an ice pick is just long and so you can break okay. an ice. Yeah. It's long and lobotomizey. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. This is a pickaxe. <laughs> it's long and deathy. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. 
which I, I do. It's interesting because up until that point, Frankenfurter was just crazy, not crazy and homicidal. It's, it's like you knew he was you got the idea you know, that something was off with him, that like there was maybe a little bit of dangerous, but you haven't seen him do anything like actually threatening to anybody until that moment. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Columbia is very disappointed about this screams the whole time, understandably. But the the one scene that is stuck in my head is as Frankenfurter goes to comfort Rocky after this horrible scene that Rocky has uh, witnessed. You just see Meatloaf in the very back against this red wall in the snow of the freezer just there covered in blood. It arresting visually with the trail of blood going back. The trail uh-huh. of blood is always what gets me. Yeah. But it's it's still done like it's it's like gory, but it's still that like cartoony gory. Like it's so remi- it is so reminiscent of like a hammer horror movie. Mm. I say that like I know what a hammer horror movie is and I don't think I've ever seen one, but I don't think I've ever seen all of one. I, I understand the like there was I, I forget what movie this was, but Patrick was watching some more modern B movie Dracula something or other. And all of the cuts that they did in the fight scenes to like watch the head being cut off or a heart ripped out. Like they cut it so that you never actually saw it happen, but you saw the aftermath. It was also really cheesy and poorly written, but it's fine. It, it scratched an itch. Um, but that to me is exactly what that type of, movie I mean, that's is. exactly what this is a love letter to, right? Yeah. Like it's, it is the above and beyond, like it's not really scary, yeah. but it's like, it's like the fun aspect of the horror genre. Well, and you never see, I'm trying to remember exactly. You never see Frankenfurter kill Freddy. Correct. Eddie. He goes into the freezer and mm-hmm. does it and comes out. And then Magenta takes off his bloody gloves as he holds them. <laughs> He's like, get so, this off me. So like frustratedly. Out of <laughs> yes. But then my favorite part is kind of like without missing a beat, he goes back and finishes his song. I can make you a man. Yeah. Also, I realized this entire time we've been calling Dr. Frankenfurter he, and I'm kind of like, do That's we know? Prob- I don't think we do. That probably is a mistake probably on our isn't. phone. Yeah, we should probably switch Not, to like a they or yeah. like a gender neutral. I, I guess just because I have Tim Curry in my head. Yes. Same. That's yes. why I'm going that way. But still, uh, anyway, yeah. the character is androgynous. Yes. I mean, they probably all are, are theys, except for Brad and Janet, who have very reinforced stereotypes yeah yeah at the beginning i think towards the end they could at the end they are these as well perhaps i think they're still probably in there i mean i would i would say i don't know if their genders their sexualities probably oh yes more fluid which is such a good segue into this next sequence Uh, night. because the uh, of course rocky and dr frankenfurter have one of it I, okay, I shouldn't like say this is the first on-screen gay quote marriage, but <laughs> for 1975, the fact that you had these two folks marrying, like, very interesting to me. But anyway, I mean, you have like you have like the wedding march like woven into the soundtrack and stuff, mm-hmm. and the bridal bed that appears under Atlas holding the Earth, which is just such a an interesting. Interesting choice for above There's your marriage. There's a lot bed. of like, well, they talk about kind of Rocky in terms of Atlas, right? Yeah. And like, he's kind of looking at the the strength and everything. And I actually, um, in the opening song, maybe, or actually, this might have been, I think it's actually in Sweet Transvestite. I was googling names and references that I didn't know 
to see like what kind of like which movies like B movies that they were alluding to. And one of the ones I Googled was Steve Reeves, who I didn't know, who was a bodybuilder known for playing like Hercules. So I think I think it's in Sweet Transvestite. Frank Frankenfurter says like we could take it an old Steve Reeves movie. So then it makes sense that you have Rocky being like an illusion to like a Herculean or even like an Atlas type character. So they're really putting him firmly in that like strongman mythology. Ooh, and the only way to uh, it, I just love how you come back to that in the don't dream it, be it mm-hmm. lyric towards the end. And, and it's like, OK, Dr. Frankenfurter did it. <laughs> There's so many layers, so many layers. But this next se- sequence is, I-, I think, one of my favorites in the entire film. So this is where one, we realize that this castle is wired with all of the surveillance cameras, all of them. Not subtly either. Like, <laughs> no, <it's> very clear. <laughs> But the the journey of Brad and Janet in this sequence is exactly the same. And I love that about what's it is going the exact on. same scene that happens with both characters. It is the first time with Janet, you who have is, whose room is lit with kind of a pinky red mm-hmm. and you have Brad come in and be whose like, room oh, my is lit God, with like a blue uh-huh. so kind of initially reinforcing those gender roles. But they're all like freaked out. And so you have this person enter and is playing Brad and Play, playing Brad for Janet and then exactly. playing Janet for Brad. But it's Dr. Frankenfurter who all of a sudden just rips off a wig and the illusion is gone. <laughs> just no wig. <laughs> Those wigs come off like they start making out and the wig just comes off like so easily. I was like, no, if you if you've been doing this for a while, you would have kept that wig on better, honey. <laughs> But but then they have but, the exact the same dialogue exchange too, yes. right? It's like, what have you done with Janet? Well, nothing. nothing but should, but should I? I? And then, well, what have you done with Brad? Well, but nothing. Well, should I? Like, <laughs> and there's the whole like, okay, well, promise you won't tell. Insert opposite person's name there. <laughs> but, oh, well, my favorite was Janet said she was saving herself. To which I was like, wait, how did it happen that quickly? Maggie went, no, no, honey. When Janet means saving herself, sh- she means getting her boob touched. And I was, yeah, like, I was like, I oh. don't think I was like, I think Janet's version of saving herself is probably very mild. As she says in a later I, lyric, yes, I've only ever Janet kissed confirmed before. it literally the next song. Yep. Yeah. So Rocky gets tortured a little bit by Riff Raff and is on the loose. But which I want to talk about the scene a little bit, though. Ooh, okay. It's so reminiscent of the original Frankenstein. It is. Or maybe it, maybe it's the sequel to Frankenstein. But either one, where you have, like, the Igor-type character with Riff Raff. He's even got kind of, like, the hunch, the way that, like, Igor is typically... Or I keep... It's Igor. I keep saying Igor because of young Frankenstein. <laughs> I was about to say, ever since, ever since I've watched young Frankenstein, I don't know. <laughs> I know, I... Me neither. I'm like, am I remembering the original film or am I just remembering Young Frankenstein? Probably just Young Frankenstein. <laughs> Probably. Um, but you have like him kind of terrorizing the monster and like the quote unquote monster being afraid of fire. Mm-hmm. And he runs around and they release the dogs and he. The dogs yeah. their tails are just wagging. So they're so happy to just run with him. <laughs> Actually, I heard like a fun. Was it one of you that told me that like they usually have to put like a like a green sock over a dog's tail? Was it you, Ian, that did that? Because dogs are usually so excited like to be. Like if they're supposed to be doing something mean in a movie, they actually have to like give them a CGI tail because most dogs just wag their tail, even they're if they're so being mean because they're so happy. They're being such good boys because and girls. They're, they're doing so what they should. 
and, and that's like and I like in this one they're like and, and then there's the one chubby dog at the end chasing after two you're like this dog's never gonna catch Rocky well, that makes me think of my very chubby dog Scout she Scout wouldn't have even tried. Let's no, be honest. she would just slid down. <laughs> she would have found some food. But I think the funniest part is then um, Riff Raff goes and tells Mike to into Brad's room, Dr. Frankenfurter, that Rocky's on the loose and they've released the dogs. And rather than being concerned, Frankenfurter just says, coming, which is also an allusion to what Brad was doing. So... <laughs> But in the sound there, they have this like Morse code in the back. Like there's this APB going out that. Oh, yes. So perfect. Oh. But Rocky is found and by none other. And Janet, who is I like randomly knows which lever to pull to see the video screen because she's having a crisis because she's like, I cheated on Brad. Oh, oh. totally missed another one of my favorite sequences where they have these jump cuts of her being like, where am I? Where is everyone else? Where am I? And no, then it this ends is with, where it she's ends with, where am I? What, where is or where's Brad? Where am I? Where's anybody? <laughs> she's clearly having a, a mental emotional breakdown from what just happened. And when she gets to the lab, this was the part where I'm like, she finds every possible surface to faint or swoon on, I should say. <laughs> and again, the camera, the camera is um is is a handheld to make it slightly less steady. Yeah. But she's like, I wonder what Brad is up to. And somehow she knows the perfect lever to go pull to see into his room, which, you know, I don't need an explanation. Maybe she's paid close attention. But then there's just there's Brad. one lever, to be fair. <laughs> it's the penis lever. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then it, the TV pops on and it's Frankenfurter in bed and Brad's just smoking, smoking a, a cigarette. cigarette. And she goes, oh, Brad. <laughs> OK, and let's just be clear. This is after she did the exact same thing. Maybe she didn't smoke a cigarette, but. But can you but but for her to see her supposedly straight fiance had done like like so disorienting to someone if we're going back to 50s, 60s stereotypes. For sure. Which drives her into the arms so, of Rocky. I was gonna say, so her solution is to bang Rocky. Mm-hmm. I think touch that it, is touch, it, touch, it, touch me. That is such a reasonable <laughs> and great solution. And I fully yeah. applaud her for that. Cause I mean any excuse possible to bang Rocky. Okay, take it. Seriously, at the end of that, the look that she has on her face where it's like, okay, I know what I want and I'm going to take it. Yeah, but but yes. And this was where we had to explain push up bras to Ian and and the the touchy touchy song, which is so (laughs) touchy touchy. (laughs) (laughs) That and and Maggie, you brought the point of everyone comes in and does the creature of the night shot. Yeah, over the camera, which I was like, that had to be such a hilarious day of filming, right? Like, it's literally just like lean over the camera, say creature of the night in a weird way. And you're good. (laughs) But Brad, of course, still says it's slightly confused. (laughs) Yes. It's, you know, when you don't have any concept of anything that could potentially go on that's going on. Meanwhile, you also have Magenta and um, Columbia apparently just like chilling, doing their nails, but also watching in and being like, oh, what's this happening? (laughs) Oh, but I love where Janet at the start of the song, she said, I never did anything but kiss. I thought heavy petting could only lead to trouble and a wet seat or something like that. And is it Columbia that looks over at Magenta and goes, wait, so she and Magenta just goes, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. The judgment. Um, But that's how we know that even like heavy petting. I told you her definition of saving herself was very strict. I was really worried. We're going to have to explain the wet seat to Ian. I'm glad it was just the push up. I'm going to be fully honest when he goes, I have a question. (laughs) What did you think? That was my question. Okay. (laughs) 
I also oh got God. the I got the like line about how we'll remove the uh the cause but not the symptom. Like, come on. Just, of them being wet. Um, come on. All I'm saying is that that lyric happened and you went, I have a question. <laughs> And I was like, oh, God. And then you were like, bras. And I was like, okay, oh, we, can, we can handle this one. I, I like that Maggie and I had the same thought process. Also, how this weird is, is it? I love having that- you on this podcast because a lot of times we think the same things and it makes me feel better because sometimes I say like something that I thought and Ian's like, I didn't think that. And I'm like, okay, cool. It's fine. Don't worry about it. All of a sudden, Dr. Scotty just appears outside. Well, and somehow everyone's back in the lab, too. I think Frankenfurter comes into the lab. Bragg goes into the lab. I think they were looking robe. for Rocky. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So so, so we've got a gathering People back People haven't the lab. discovered Rocky and Janet yet. Yes. They are. They 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 boned in the um, tank. The tank where Rocky was birthed. <laughs> he was not oh. birthed. There were, there were some satin sheets in there, though, apparently. Yeah. Some red satin sheets. Like. It was what they used to cover it to begin with. I remember oh, yeah. when they ripped it off. Okay. Well planted. <laughs> so yeah, so 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 we're all gathered back in the lab, more or less. We see Dr. Scott appear on the TV. And then he enters this house completely uninvited. Rude. Like, what the hell are you doing, dude? But I love that he finds his way. I love how Dr. Frankenfurter goes, oh, he's probably in the Zen room. <laughs> he just cut to this man in a very Zen room. And then we were all like, man, I need a Zen room. Oh, we do. But the insanity of the electromagnet. <laughs> Which only attracts Dr. Scott's wheelchair. Well, you know, everything else in that house is made of not metal, right? (laughs) Apparently. I think my favorite part was um, Dr. Frankenfurter turning it on and how at the end, like, they just, like, popped the leg up. Oh, Oh, you have to. It it pops. Like, it was like a release. Well, when you hit the switch, it was like three different compartments jutted out. And then, like, when the third one goes out, he pops his leg to mirror it. Like, it's hard to describe, but it's very, <laughs> but, 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 very doc- fabulous. Dr. Frankenfurter just had the most fabulous, like, leg kicks, knee pops. Like, it's like it gave him extra power whenever he popped it. Lots of flourish. Yes. That's what we need. And, uh, and the wheelchair co- takes off. And does a carnival ride around the whole house. That's my favorite part. <laughs> I love Columbia Magenta just as it comes through their room, them just sitting there being like, oh, okay, this is happening again. Well, my favorite is how it navigates a circle around their room and then busts through the wall of this. <laughs> like, could na- could navigate a circle in their room, but could not find the door to the lab. Busts into the lab. Um, and then we have one of my favorite moments, which is the, one, the introduction of Dr. Scott and, um, then we have the discovery of Janet and Rocky and it's the Janet, Dr. Scott, Janet, Brad, Rocky. Silence. (laughs) Janet, Dr. Scott. And they do that like three times. It's so good. Now it it wasn't Magenta with the gong that interrupted that piece, right? It's someone else stopped him, I think, but they just do it three. I know they do it three times because a rule of threes, but Um. I don't remember what like stops them. Comedic timing stops them. I don't know. Uh. Well, they they start talking about um, why Dr. Scott is there. Because he went from high school science teacher. I had, okay, this is the first time I realized he was their high school science teacher. I had always assumed college. <laughs> yes. And at some point in time, they mentioned Denton High School. Yeah. But, but yeah. He goes from high school science teacher to works for the government in UFO. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's, that's a jump that could only be made in the 60s. Indeed. <laughs> You would need 12 more degrees nowadays yes. to do it <laughs> and least. have to go $200,000 into debt. 
great. Sorry, that got too real. <laughs> no, it's let's go back to the fantasy world. We need some horror <laughs> in here. Um, yeah, that was that's the true horror. <laughs> <laughs> so dinner. Oh my! I I love that they interrupt like the fight that's happening. I love when Doctor Scott throws out some science jargon and Brad's like, but of course. And you're like, you don't, you don't know. Stop it. But yes. And then Frank and Fred is like, it's time for dinner. And then he says something. I, f- I forgot to write down the exact line, but it's like the dress code would normally be formal, but under the circumstances. <laughs> we'll make an exception. Because Brad's in a robe and Janet is Janet's still in, in her underwear. In her underwear. And she's ripped up her um, her slip, her slip because Rocky was injured. So she's really exposed now. I mean, yeah, touch a touch a touch me. Right. Well, my favorite is that <laughs> Frankenfurter never wears pants. <laughs> he changes his top for the occasion, though. He's in a very fancy top. And, so, and sometimes um, Frankenfurter puts on a leather jacket, as which well. is a great jacket. It's fabulous. I mean, if you get cold, you got to warm yourself up somehow. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he's never wearing pants, which is no. this is also the first watch where I noticed that he never wears pants. Yeah. As Maggie said, if I had his legs, I would also not wear pants <laughs> and I could not agree more. <laughs> but the d- dinner scene is such a beautiful awkwardness, like a comedic awkwardness. I just the sound of the electric turkey carver <laughs> through just the awkward si- silence of like. Everyone's relationships are messed up. Uh, we've also established at this point that Riff Raff and Magenta are like kind of mad at Frankenfurter. We've also had their weird palms to elbows touch handshake. Yes. And we we find out why Dr. Scott is actually there. It's because Eddie was his nephew. Um, Sent a weird, weird note written in blood. <laughs> I love that you can fully read that note. Like <laughs> some some set designer took time. Yes. <laughs> Finger paints. It's great. But this is another scene where they they played with scale, I, I think, in a really awesome way, because the chandelier, instead of being too small, is absurdly large, like larger than the table. Mm-hmm. And also just like that each person had a different number of forks, but it was an absurdly large number. Like, I think the one that I could see best was Dr. Scott had seven forks. I mean, they all have different glasses. And then I, it's either Riff Raff or Magenta going around pouring the wine. Just so half of it on the table. Yeah, like it's like going everywhere. <laughs> it's how you get wine poured when you're at a cheap bar and they're doing it fast. Yeah, it's oh, my God, it's a great scene. And then you have um, the song about Eddie where you reveal that he's something note um and then you have the reveal that eddie is in fact in the table slash is the meal oh wait is is he supposed to be the meal i think so because there's the line and i think brad and janet catch on to it because i think Mm -hmm. there's the line where um frankenfurter says something about like um like how tender or something. And then it's like, Oh, anyone want another serving? And then both Brad and Janet are like, mm, and yeah. set down their forks. They never directly address it, but yeah, there's I'm, that point where they start putting down there. Yeah. It's like never directly said, um, is this but, where we figure out why meatloaf had the slash on his forehead? I think that might be a little bit later, but they basically he had taken Eddie's brain and halved it between Eddie and Rocky, <laughs> which really I feel like harkens back to young Frankenstein with the Abby normal brain <laughs> is what made me instantly think and of that. Did you bring me Abby something? <laughs> Abby normal. Abby, Abby normal. <laughs> That's also we've done an episode on young Frankenstein. Go listen to that. It is also great. 
for sure. Next song is oh, Wise Up, Janet, because it's very clear that as Janet runs into the arms of Rocky at the horror of seeing Eddie's disemboweled body, that uh, someone's about to get upstaged. And that means Janet's in trouble. Mm-hmm. So it's Frankenfurter chasing her through the house. Meanwhile, Brad, make sure to get Dr. Scott and go towards the elevator. So you have the shots of like... They're very well choreographed of like um, Janet and Frankenfurter running up that spi- like spiral staircase and then interspersed with just the elevator very slowly <laughs> going up. <laughs> really reinforces Brad's uselessness. <laughs> and then, of course, they end up back in the lab. Yeah. And I think this is where they get stuck to the floor. But and this is where there was a string of like eight science words that. uh Meant nothing. I just want to super highlight, though, the actors who have to be frozen, especially Susan Sarandon, does like such a good job of keeping everything from the knees down perfectly still, especially because like Tim Curry's like kind of like grinding on her at one point. No, like he he absolutely is grinding on her at one like, point. But like like <laughs> and like hip checks her. Yes. And she has to stay perfectly still and she somehow manages it. Yeah, well, and I like Brad tries to like throw a few punches at yeah. Frankenfurter and he like actually like doubles over at the waist. Yeah, like they both of them do such a good job of like staying locked. Mm-hmm. Dr. Scott had the easiest job there. Yes, he did. <laughs> oh, for sure. And then they throw the Medusa switch. <laughs> okay, this is the first watch through where I fully understand, understood the Medusa switch. I'm like, oh, they just had this lever that turns them to stone. Medusa Ian, come on <laughs> um i love how every time they're turned into stone they are in a better pose and they are fully naked like a greek statue but they do get their little like um or at least janet got a little fig leaf are you sure that was a fig leaf and not just uh, some hair i think she got a fig leaf oh, okay <laughs> i didn't pay that close and attention but now i'm questioning myself <laughs> but i love that that everyone goes and gets gets turned to stone and Rocky is already in the pose. <laughs> <laughs> Again, he's that strong man from mythology that is just always a figure posing in your imagination. Mm-hmm. But then we just get to the most batshit crazy of batshit crazies of this film, which I, is the floor show. Oh my god, the f- I well oh, the floor show. And we have to snap back to the criminologist to oh. pull you out of just the insanity for a half second. But I, I love feel like that we see him a lot early on and then there's a space of time where we don't see a lot of him and yeah. then they kind of bring him back in at the end. Yeah. And he goes, but what about this floor show? Like, I just love that he is invested in it. He with asks you. about multiple other things first, though. And then he's like, what is the so and so the so and so will they ever this? And what about this floor show? Who will it be for <laughs> in the middle of the night? <laughs> Like, 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 it's like he continued the criminologist, like, questioning yes. into the, the floor, floor show. show. We have Frankenfurter running around with what I think is supposed to be cold cream, but looks like just shaving cream all over his face, his hair up. He's getting his statues ready. They're all dressed in, like, corsets and garters and giant boas. It's great. Frantically just smacks a lighting panel to turn all the lights on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably one of my favorite pieces of this. Mm-hmm. And that's when we get to see the floor show. I think the first song is Rose Tint My World. 
But that this is right. uh, where they have the was it unmedusa or d d medusa? Oh God! I think it's unmedusa. Unmedusa. Like I was literally thinking the same thing. Is it d or un? <laughs> I think it's unmedusa. And like one at a time, they get unmedusa to like, do their yeah. So it's Columbia, Rocky, Brad, and Janet, and they each get a little like solo moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Brad calls for his mom. I was gonna say, can we just compliment Barry Bostwick's high kick? <laughs> Um, and also Holy the crap. fact that he had to play being bad in heels and just like how because he's like shaking on those things. You yes. have to know how to walk in heels really well to be able to act being bad in heels it's without breaking your ankle. Yes. Yeah. And those were not small heels. No. No. But that's that's the first kind of sequence. And then we get Dr. Frankenfurter's entrance, which, of course, happens at the base, the RKO radio tower. I love that he dives into a pool. And that is the transition to Don't Dream It, Be It, which, again, I've seen this several times, but that piece always gets me. I never remember that they're going to be jumping into a pool. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're in a pool. I don't know if you can see it in that song in particular, but you can definitely see it at some point at the end where they have the shot just straight over the Mm -hmm. pool. But the bottom of it is from the Sistine Chapel. And it's like God giving the spark of life to Adam. And it's just it's perfect because Frank and Ferdinand give the spark of life to Rocky. And he's floating in the the SS his, Titanic. His float is the SS Titanic <laughs> lifesaver. That is what we call foreshadowing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he again in that song at some point says a lyric about Bay Ray. Just wanna Oh um, really? Yes. I think it's I think it's that's I think it's that song. Um it's that or the going home song. He says something else about Fay Ray. But I think it's there. Which, of course. RKO was the studio that produced King Kong. It was the studio that was probably best known for its B picks. It relied very heavily on them as like in order to prop up some of the like quote unquote fancier stuff. But yeah, so it's so fitting that they have an RKO radio tower. Oh, oh boy. So we do get some high kicks and that is where we see that Rocky is not flexible. I mean, that's not his job. That's not his job. job. Muscles don't lend to flexibility. But what we do learn, (laughs) Brad best high kick those kick. those legs though <laughs> <laughs> but I, I appreciate the fact that uh dr scott is kind of kicking with them wheeling behind them as they're kicking <laughs> it's yes. absurd well totally I, absurd. well when he he kind of accidentally demedu on medusa's like the, the switch just kind of goes like bad switch design should have should have flipped up not down but whatever <laughs> um Fail, fail to off. Yes, yeah, I agree. That, 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 that was a poorly engineered switch. Um, blame it on the engineer. Um, but he's like, I must keep my wits about me or I will go crazy and be lost to all this like them. And like he's trying to and then he starts stuttering and he starts to pull up his he had his his like Afghan over his legs and you see a leg appear and it's 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 tighted and healed. And he is obsessed. And 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 he is he, he you can see he he is lost over the edge. Mm-hmm. That's how they get you. Fishnets and heels. I mean, everyone <laughs> gets everyone. But the reveal of Riff Raff and Magenta as being aliens. With Magenta's Bride of Frankenstein hair. And Ugh. the wonderful American Gothic homage and the laser gun. It's yes. the pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> but we we do humor Dr. Frankenfurter saying goodbye with I'm going home. Which is batshit fever dream. He calls for the spotlight, which Columbia obliges. 
I love that he has like, he's like, I have to make a statement and I must do it fabulously and in a follow spot. <laughs> um, the cinematography around him during that song is choice. choice. And the backlighting and lens flaring of him in the spotlight. Well, what, Just, what uh, always gets me is when he takes the makeup and he rubs it and it turns into tears and smeared and, and just like how that worked so perfectly. Yeah. And he's got these red eyes with this blue makeup all around his eyes now. Um, we have not really talked about the makeup yet, but the makeup artist that did it, Pierre LaRoque, um, had previously worked with Mick Jagger and David Bowie. Of course. This tracks so well. Yes, this is what you need. <laughs> but long story short, after this extremely long, extremely hallucinated uh, farewell to a well-appointed and very well-dressed audience, he is lasered to death. I have a question here because there is the moment. Well, there's the moment where Riff Raff breaks it to him where he's like, oh, you're not going home. We're going home. You're going to stay here in spirit. And he, Frankenfurter turns around and sees the audience, which has been kind of like that chorus that we've seen throughout the time. And they disappear. And so I'm like, were they in his head the whole time? Or are they just other folks that are there in spirit? Who knows? And then if they were just in his head the whole time. How did Brad and Janet see them? Was he like manifesting that? Anyway, a lot of questions. Um, none of which will be answered because, uh, well, first Columbia is shot and then Frankenfurter is shot. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then Rocky in his, all of his King Kong glory attempts to save Frankenfurter. And so Frankenfurter finally gets to be Fay Ray. <laughs> <laughs> finally. What a privilege. Although it's a slightly different situation. <laughs> but Kong. I do appreciate that Rocky's muscles are so robust. They're able to repel antimatter. <laughs> yes, yeah. the laser. Pew, pew. <laughs> but uh, again, that set design where Rocky climbs up with Frankenfurter on his back and the climbs tower. Climbs up the Arkeo radio oh, tower. And it just folds forward and they fall into the pool dead. Like yeah. such drama. I think that's when you get the overhead shot where you can see what the mm -hmm. mosaic at the bottom of the pool is. Oh, the beginning and the end. So great. So apparently. They're taking the whole house. Yeah, the whole house. It, it has been repossessed and will be going back to their home world. Transsexual Transylvania. Exactly. Transsexual, the planet of transsexual in the system of Transylvania, which I think this is where we learned that. And we're like, OK, so they were aliens and he told us the whole story we just at the beginning listening. of the film we just had no context <laughs> yeah. for it but, but i but i think my favorite was like where he's like yes we'll be beaming the house back shortly so you need to go <laughs> and then they just kind of stood there and stared and Riff Raff was like go now now <laughs> And then we get this beautiful Shakespearean-esque feeling monologue from Magenta, like when she's talking about how good it will be to go back to their world. And then it like sort of morphs into the time warp. Mm -hmm. It's great. Or warps into the time warp. They do their hands to elbows. Weird shake. Now, we did watch the release of this film that did not have the final song here, which uh my understanding it's called superheroes but my understanding is there were some deadlines when they wanted to actually do the release prior to the dvd release and the song just got cut because they couldn't master the sound fast enough yes we watched it via streaming service mm -hmm. um it's on a lot of them right now though our dear friend matt who was on um which episode did he do with us 
a Christmas vacation. Yes, he did Christmas vacation with us. Um, he did send the DVD along with Emma because he was very worried that we would not have it. So thoughtful. Though I'm pretty sure both Ian and I do own copies. And I think Emma owns her own copy. I think Ian has my copy. <laughs> I think my owned copy is Emma's copy. But that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. As long as someone loves it. Anyway, I just loved I loved that this was the movie where people were like concerned and were like, no, we need to make sure this happens. Yes. But I do kind of wish that song were included because it is a kind of a wrapping up reflection of this whole experience from the perspective of Brad and Janet. They have the theme from it. They do. They bring that up in the final uh, monologue from the criminologist. But it's such a pretty song. Anyway, I'll leave that at that. But yeah. And then the closing line. Oh, I forget what it is, but it's really good. About the bugs. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because it starts and the transition is great because you're looking down. The mansion is taken off and it's um, Dr. Scott, Janet and brad kind of in the rubble of the mansion kind of a little bruised and bloody from it like crawling around and it zooms out and they start to look like ants and then it starts to spin and then the transition is to a spinning globe in the office of the criminologist and i think that is where the line that maggie um, was thinking of yeah i just found it it's and crawling on the planet's face some insects called the human race lost in time and lost in space and meaning wow heavy Time and space and meaning. All wrapped up in one fabulous boa. <laughs> that is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Makes you, makes you, I mean, like it is, it is ridiculous, but it's also just like an exceptionally well done movie. Like yeah. the, there's an insane amount of foreshadowing, like the production and set design is all clearly like so incredibly well thought out. All the songs are amazing. Yeah, I was reading that some some reviewer who shall remain nameless was talking about how all the songs sound the same. And I'm like, sir, do you have ears? Because no, (laughs) I do not. And each one's a banger. Is that what he means by sound the same? Is that they all sound phenomenal? Uh, Given the context, no, but I'll take that reading. (laughs) It's the only acceptable one. So I think we all love this movie. If you ever get the opportunity to go to a midnight showing it is a great time the first time i saw this actually was at a midnight showing on halloween oh that was the first time that's the first cannot be topped so (laughs) i was about to say i've seen it at a midnight showing but was not my first but it is very fun did you dress up uh ish yeah you at least gotta do a little something i mean emma commit i think you committed when you went for midnight showing right uh i was in a corset and hot pants and high heels yes so yes you committed I didn't commit. All I did was wear some eyeliner and have my hair put up in a mohawk. Did you at least get the virgin kiss? I did. Mm. I did. Pre-COVID times. Oh, yeah. This was like in 2010. So <laughs> it was a while back. But but I think what was kind of fun is Maggie brought the good point is like this. This is a classic, not just for our generation, but previous generations. And we were all introduced to it by our family um mm-hmm. like i watched it with my family was how i knew about it and then at georgia tech actually i was on the lacrosse team the club lacrosse team and like we would watch it for all away games and it was just a really it's a really fun it's something for a movie that even today is kind of scandalous it's something a lot of people have always seemed to relate to mm-hmm. yeah um yeah no i was definitely like introduced to it by family um i know like my parents had gone and seen like the midnight showings in college and yep. stuff like yeah like, absolutely. Same here. And my mom actually has a piano 
soundbook arrangement for all of Rocky Horror. So <laughs> I may or may not have grown up to listening to that song, Superheroes specifically, which is why I was like, where is it? I know it's in here. <laughs> well, and I believe I had read that it is like the longest running theatrical release at this point because of the midnight showings. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I mean, I, f- I feel like when I talk about like cult classics and films, like this is the one I always think of. I feel t- to me, this is like the definition. Yeah. I'd agree with that. The other um, quote, and it's from the very beginning and it's not a quote. It was written on one of the gravestones that I just wanted to come and take back that I haven't noticed that I um, hadn't noticed before is one of the gravestones as they're walking past in the church at the very start says, be just and fear not. And maybe, maybe that's, that's what everyone kind of relates to. Yeah. Ooh. I like that. But yeah, I think we all recommend it. So it is worth a watch and it is especially fun to dress up as you watch it. So yeah, it's it's fun. I feel like if you haven't watched it before, this is the perfect month to watch it. Oh, absolutely. All right. That wraps it up for Rocky Horror and for our 2021 Halloween flicks. um, We will be back to the traditional best picture winners probably next time before we get into our um, Christmas holiday season. Until then, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Best Pictures Pod on both. You can email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Rocky Horror, the story of like, you know, the first time you watched it, did you go to a midnight showing like Ian? Were you introduced to it by like friends and family? Like, what's your story with the film? Um, And yeah, we'd love to chat with you guys. We will be back next time with, I believe, Platoon. I believe so. Very different vibe. Oh, yes. And I guess the question is whether we're doing two best pictures or one. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Um, Some of us are in the process of moving. (laughs) So um, sometimes recording can be a little tough. But until next time, like I said, find us on social media in case you can't handle the Antissa. Patient.